It's Tuesday, October 6th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Simon Erickson and Jason Moser. Happy Tuesday, gents. Howdy. Hey there, Chris. We've got some earnings from Pepsi. We've got, well, technically they're earnings. We've got earnings from the container store, but it's 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 not as good as Pepsi's. We'll get into both of those. And of course, McDonald's rolling out the all-day breakfast. But let's start with uh, well, let's start with big beverage. Pepsi's third quarter profit and revenue coming in better than expected, and we'll go around the world with Pepsi's report. But right here in North America. They are crushing it. They've really stepped up their game here, and that's that is what is apparently driving this stock today. They are, Chris. Uh, there's a bigger trend that we're watching at Pepsi as investors, and that is that the world is consuming less carbonated beverages. Um, first, we thought sugar was unhealthy. Then we thought aspartame could be dangerous, and it's resulted in really kind of a knock against Pepsi's bread and butter. Uh, both in sales and in their brand. So the question becomes with a company that's got the distribution that they do, can they pivot away from carbonated beverages to other products? And as you said, uh, I think this quarter, at least as one indicator, uh, is showing that, that yes, they can. We saw that revenue was actually up about 7.4% if you pull out the foreign exchange impacts that they had. Gross margins up 120 basis points. The earnings per share are up 14% year over year. So they're doing a really good job in selling non carbonated beverages. Um, 10% in North American increase in volume in their non carbonated segments. This is Gatorade, Aquafina, stuff like that. And Pepsi's really knocking out of the park with that, too. We also saw kind of flat sales from their snack brands. Um, but I think that at least for this quarter, Pepsi's showing they can sell stuff other than Pepsi and Diet Pepsi. Yeah, and I mean, let's just to throw a couple more in there. Tropicana, they've got the number one orange juice, uh, and Quaker, they've got the Quaker brand. So, well, let's not forget about the salty snacks too, Chris, because that's really what I never do. That's what captures my attention. <laughs> this is my my wife will tell you. I'm not one with the sweet tooth, but more the salt tooth, and. Uh, you know, I, I did see. I actually like that about Pepsi a lot. I think that's really one of the the benefits to to investing in a business like like that is it is it is well diversified. It's not just soda, and you're seeing not only not only soda taking a hit, but really diet soda taking an even bigger hit. And I think people are moving over to you know your your waters, your juices. I mean this. This new stuff hint here. Have you ever tried this? No. I mean, it's delicious. What is that? It's just it's water with just a hint of flavor. Now, I mean, this is to me. I kind of dismissed it until I tried it. It's the real deal, what and is it's that, got me drinking more water. Yeah, it's it's watermelon, and um, you know, it doesn't taste like bubblegum watermelon or a Jolly Rancher. I mean, it just has a little hint. Uh, hence the name. But I just you know you're seeing more and more of that, and I think that that at least with with Pepsi, they do. Um, they do have that that snacks division to to lean on, and I saw something interesting was they're actually you know they're they're shrinking the packaging, so they're making the the bags they're offering a smaller serving bag uh, than the the traditional I think it's traditional ten ounce maybe it's going to eight, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out on the consumer because typically. You know, we've seen a lot. I mean, Pepsi is certainly not the only one to do this, but but you know, you're you're getting a little bit less, and you're probably paying about the same amount. Um, ultimately, that is you know going to to benefit their margin line, assuming the the customer, uh, you know, keeps on buying them. So that'll be something to watch as well. Uh, Simon, help me understand one of the things that Pepsi highlighted in their report, and this is just a bullet point. A change in accounting for Venezuela operations resulted in non-core pre- and after-tax charges 
of $1.4 billion. With a B. What in the world <laughs> is going on in Venezuela that Pepsi is taking a $1.4 billion hit. So, here's the fine print of what's going on with that, behind that impairment charge. Uh, the Venezuelan government has maintained currency controls and a fixed exchange rates for getting bolivars, converting them to U.S. dollars for over a decade now. So, they're controlling the liquidity of what you can convert currencies coming in and out of the country. Uh, so, it's hard to convert bolivars to U.S. dollars right now. And Pepsi has got a lot of Venezuelan operations that are obviously uh, operating locally down there, where they want to ret- retain dividends from those companies. Um, and this is affecting their business. And so, they're taking an impairment charge because they're, they believe that they no longer have control over their Venezuelan subsidiaries. They're consolidate, or I'm sorry, they're deconsolidating these businesses. And now they're using the cost accounting method. It's a one-time charge, but something that obviously is bad news uh, down in Latin America right now. That's, it, a, that's a hell of a one-time charge. It is. You're right. <laughs> but I mean, I think that I mean they're doing the right thing. I think in, in you just sort of just ripping the band-aid off here. We saw um, an MVP holding and a, a company we all really like over there, which is why it's a holding, I guess. But Mercado Libre, uh, right? It's kind of the eBay, Amazon, you know, of Latin America. And uh, they also had, you know, tremendous exposure to, to Venezuela, and basically just kind of wrote it all off. You know, and, I mean, they said, "Look, we don't know that, we don't know that this is ever, we don't know that we can ever actually recover this." And so let's just go ahead and get all of the bad news out there up front. Let's just assume the worst case scenario, and then just move forward with what is known. And um, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for that because you know we always talk about the market and uncertainty. I think this eliminates a little bit of uncertainty, and I think that's why the market's reacting to Pepsi the way it is today. Gosh, and foreign exchange in Latin America is such a mess right yeah. now. I mean, if you're an investor, you're seeing havoc over any company that operates in Latin America right now. Could be a long-term opportunity if you find the right investments, but this is something that as investors we have absolutely no control over. Shares of the Container Store falling more than 14 percent this morning after second-quarter profits. They did report profits, but they were down 62% compared to a year ago, and they're they're just spending a lot of money at the container store. Yeah, they are, and unfortunately, it's not it's not manifesting in you know growing consumer sales. You know, I, I feel like I feel like this is shaking out to be one of those neat little niche businesses that was just going to be way better off never being public to begin with, and unfortunately, the realities. Uh, you know their ownership structure weren't really going to permit that. Leonard Green and Partners um, owns a big equity stake in the in the business, almost fifty seven percent of the shares outstanding, and and so, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I think over the coming year how how Leonard Green deals with this because honestly, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there is you know, we always look for sort of a short term event or a long term catalyst, uh, you know, to to be able to sort of. Create some value there, and with the container store, I just don't see that. You know, I mean, it. They do what they do well. It's just, you know, it's kind of like, it's it's kind of like mattresses or something. You're going to buy one, and then it probably not going to. It's not going to garner a lot in in the way of recurring sales. Um, I think there's there are there are legitimate questions in regard to their market opportunity. I think there are legitimate questions into how much they can actually grow this business, and then when you look at the when you look at the debt that they still hold on their balance sheet, you know they went public with a significant amount of debt. The IPO proceeds went to pay down some of that debt. They still have you know a decent chunk of debt left, and if they want to grow, I mean right now their coverage ratio is at about two, which means that their their operating income is is able to just you know cover that net interest expense. Um, the covenants in the 10K 
maintain that they need to require at least a one. So they've already they've already got that covered. They're not not you know in danger of violating covenants there. But in order to grow, they need money, and and they don't produce a lot of cash flow with this business at all. And so in order to get that money to to grow, they're going to need to take out more debt, or you know worse for shareholders here. And Maddie Argersinger and I were talking about this earlier this morning. They they may very well need to issue some more equity here at some point. And and that really is just a double pop there because not only are you diluting shareholders, but you're diluting them with your shares just in the tank, and so you're going to have to issue a lot more shares in order to to, to recover or to get you know the money to, to to grow the business. So I mean, for investors, I think they're they're in a bit of a bind here. I don't know that uh, you know it's it's something that necessarily resolves itself it resolves itself anytime soon. Um, you know, for all that the company does well as far as the culture goes, you still have to look at the underlying fundamentals of the business. And I think there's still some challenges there uh, that that they're going to have to overcome. One of the things I read was, uh, you know, the company said, "Look, we're spending a lot of money on promotions, that sort of thing. You know, that's that's why this quarter looks like it does." Um, but they also they're blaming the strength of the dollar. Aren't Aren't all their locations here in the U.S.? How is how is a strong dollar hurting this company? Well, they have so the Alpha brand that they have. They have significant production facilities in Sweden, and so they are exposed to foreign currency from that regard. But to your point, I mean, they are spending a lot. At least it's Sweden and not Venezuela. <laughs> Very good point. Very good point. Um, you know, I think that they are spending a lot in order to try to gin up some business. I saw this thing in the call. They're doing these things called uh, closets and cocktails, where they're actually like. Holding cocktail hours at their stores to get people in there to. I mean, if, if alcohol is not an yeah, if alcohol is not an incentive, I don't know what is. Uh, but but you know, I mean, again, they're they're talking about these are, these are not inexpensive you know tickets. I mean, to go in there and and get the TCS closet package, you know, and that that's an average of a ten thousand dollar or more ticket. And so you know, I knew when we saw them offering financing products, that was like whoa, you know, I mean, I, I, closets one thing, but if I'm gonna have to finance this thing, you know, that that's that's a Big consideration there, and it's not such an e- it's not such an easy decision to make. So it just is um, just just a lot of challenges for the business, and something that I, I just again I question the market opportunity that's really out there, and, and it's not something that generates that much in the way of recurring revenue. People going back for more. Every time we talk about retail, we, Amazon comes up, and and retail businesses have a real tough time fighting against e-commerce. But one way that some businesses are doing it is they're increasingly using bricks and mortar stores as showrooms for people to buy on their own e-commerce sites. And I think this is actually one good thing that the container store, if there's one silver lining in this dark cloud of the report, uh, container store is now offering free shipping for purchases over $75. They saw online sales increase 70% year over year. So if there is one thing that I think maybe in addition to the custom closets that container store can do a little bit or focus a little bit more on, maybe it's on e-commerce sales. McDonald's finally rolled out the all-day breakfast, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the stock is hitting a 52-week high <laughs> on the day they roll out the all-day breakfast. Um, and we, I, I, I think I'm more bullish on this than you, Jason. And I base that on conversations we've had. But um, give me, give me, give me the bear scenario on this. I feel like this is going to work for them in part because. The data that we've seen in terms of just breakfast in general, breakfast as a category has grown more over the last year than lunch as a category. So, I feel like they're they're 
this is a no-brainer move. They, sh- they probably should have done this five or ten years ago, but they're finally doing it. And I feel like the the stock is reflective of that. So I, I do agree with you that this is this is a no-brainer move. I mean, if if I'm going, so to me, like I think breakfast is better than any other meal you could have at McDonald's. So I mean, like it's better than their burgers and all their stuff, even even the the you know the McRib. So I, I mean, I feel like. For them, this That's is right. The right. We have another catalyst coming up in December. Isn't <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be in fewer stores now too. So let's. <laughs> but I mean, I think this is the right thing to do from the perspective of I do think that people care more about breakfast at McDonald's than probably any other meal. Um, at least you know, going by the the trends in social media, I mean, they they seem to actually be more passionate about getting breakfast at McDonald's than anywhere than than anything else. So I think the challenges for McDonald's, at least from this perspective, are. In in offering breakfast all day, this this is logistically going to become more difficult for them. They have to maintain a bigger menu, and they have to figure out ways to to deal with that and and you know maximize the cost structure, maximize the efficiencies, understand the traffic patterns and whatever stores uh, because they're franchises. You know the company doesn't have control uh, over every restaurant that's out there. So so you know it's going to vary. I think from store to store. Uh, you know, where you look at something like Bojangles, for example, and, and Bojangles is it was built, you know, on the, the concept of breakfast all day, every day. So they've been doing this basically since inception, and the menu was developed uh, from that. So I, I think it makes initially at least the logistics of, of McDonald's operations a bit more difficult. But um, I mean, the concern is, are we just swapping out one for the other? Right. So if now it's breakfast all day long at McDonald's, are people just going there and buying their breakfasts? Uh, you know, there at four o'clock in the afternoon and, and foregoing the burger and fries that they might have gotten before. So I I don't know how meaningfully it will impact sales, but I mean I think they they have to do something, and I think this was this was a logical uh, option. I don't know, guys. I got to play the dissenting card on this one. <laughs> I, I think this is an obvious marketing ploy, in my opinion, from McDonald's struggling. So hey, let's bring back marketing all day long. It's going to improve sales. Everything's going to be great. Come on, I'm not falling for it, Chris. I mean, In-N-Out Burger has got four menu items, you know, that they sell, and that line is out the door all the time. Chipotle has made a business out of being simple. Customers don't want more choices. This is just confusing operations. I think it's a bad move on McDonald's. Here's the good news. I think the good news is we're going to find out in very short order who's right and who's wrong. (laughs) Because I think that whatever. We're seeing right now. I mean, probably not the next quarterly report, but the first quarterly report that comes out from McDonald's in 2016. I mean, that's the one, right? That's the one where analysts can basically load up that conference call. The first 19 questions are going to be all about like, well, how did breakfast do? Because yeah, you know, it. it, it we can say it's a no-brainer move because it, it certainly seems like one, but now they need to show the results. Because yeah, I mean it's gonna it's gonna you're gonna see the numbers you need to look out for. I mean you're gonna see, ideally those same store sales are gonna improve. You're gonna see traffic improve, and I mean you know the the idea is that it's going to bring more traffic in, and if that's the case. I mean, in theory, we would see that operating margin expand because of all the fixed costs involved with just keeping a restaurant open to begin with. So, I mean, anything that any of these restaurants do, it's all in the name of ginning up more traffic. Um, and, and so, it'll be obvious from from that perspective whether it's a success or not. My again, my concern is you're just swapping out one for the other. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's I don't. It's not going to compel me to go to McDonald's. Granted, I know not to extrapolate. You know, sort of my feelings on the entire. Uh, you know. 
populace there. But but again, I, there's so many options out there today. Um, it just seems like they're really late to the game in doing this. What's your uh, go-to for breakfast, Simon? If you're if you if you want to treat yourself, if you're like I'm going to go out somewhere, I'm going to get some breakfast. I know you're not going to McDonald's, but what's your sort of like? Oh, and it can be. It doesn't have to be a chain. It can be an individual place. So I'm going to have coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. Nice. You know we've got locally here one of my favorites, and I would. You said anywhere I would have um, breakfast tacos flown in from Austin, Texas, oh, nice. with the hot sauce. Nice. Man, I can't really. That breakfast tacos? I mean, like, <laughs> sounds so good, right? So, like, yeah, it does, really. I mean, I grew up in, in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, just over the bridge from Charleston, right there on the water. There's a place called Shim Creek Bar and Grill that always had What's this it called? Shim Creek Bar and Grill. And, uh, I mean, if we're going all out there, I mean, let's go all out there. I would go back there for they have a, a delicious brunch covering every breakfast item out there, plenty of grits, uh, and Bloody Mary's. <laughs> Bloody Mary's that'll, that'll put a smile on your face. Maybe container store should should think about you know cocktails just, and closets. Cocktails and closets thing, in the I mean, evening, I, but in the like a Sunday morning, if they've got a Bloody Mary bar or mimosas, there's can, a container store here at Tyson's Corner. I mean, yeah. I feel like there's some market research ahead that we'll have to uh, consider. Well, I was going to say, have you checked out District Taco? No, the lo- local uh, taco chain here in the D.C. area, but there's one in Old Town, and their breakfast tacos uh, I highly recommend. They have Bloody Marys too. I don't think they have Bloody Marys. Sorry. But, you know, you can go to Dunkin' Donuts, get your coffee, and then (laughs) pop by District Taco. Note to say. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 